On the morning of August 29, 2005, concrete levees gave way, causing floodwaters of Hurricane Katrina to hit New Orleans, Louisiana, and submerge 80% of the city underwater. Hundreds of people drowned in the area, including the Gulf Coast of Mississippi and Louisiana, were devastated, with over 1,800 deaths attributed to the hurricane and the flooding. I had lived in a home on the Mississippi Gulf Coast with my grandparents, mother, brother, aunts, uncle, and cousins. That home and a little piece of my past was destroyed in Katrina. Most reports indicated an aging levee system, possible flaws in engineering, and a slow response following the disaster contributed to the death toll and loss of property. An unexpected event occurred, systems failed, and people were hurt. Plus part of the city of New Orleans is below sea level. And yet many of the citizens of New Orleans and the Gulf Coast stayed or returned to rebuild. Why would someone stay? Why would they build there? The same resilience and willingness to start over, to rebuild that Southern citizens exhibited are some of the same characteristics we need when surveying the devastation and pain caused by betrayal or carelessness in our relationships and trying to rebuild trust. I remember a girl asking her father why, when he was driving, he never used his blinkers when making a turn. His response, it's nobody's business which way I'm turning or where I'm going. They don't need to be following me. I think of this as a kind of ultimate example of a man who trusted no one. And I think it must be a very difficult way to live when even turning on a blinker is fraught with suspicion and potential danger. Trust of one another is vitally important. One of the most frequently asked questions I hear in counseling is, how do we trust or how do I or we rebuild trust? Well, the first question is, should I trust this particular person again? Often that requires a great deal of reflection, introspection, and perhaps a few conversations with friends or a therapist. But once the decision has been made that you want to rebuild trust, here are the ways to do that. These trust building techniques are also skills you can use to improve your social, home, and work relationships. If you're a client of mine, no doubt you have heard the talk about these techniques before. It is my hope that the ability to listen repeatedly and perhaps when most needed will benefit you therapeutically. Number one, you must be 100% committed. Trust and commitment are not like doing the hokey pokey. You cannot have one foot in the relationship and one foot out. Number two, transparency in all things. Many people do not like hearing this. However, to have complete transparency, particularly in a relationship where there has been any kind of betrayal, your partner will need complete access to your emails, your phone, and any other social media or screen device you might use. While this might seem somewhat extreme, it may be necessary, particularly if that was the vehicle through which your partner was injured. And the transparency needs to work both ways. Most of the time, 
the need to check these devices will lessen as trust is built. Most of the time, it will not always be this way or this intense, but for now, it may need to be. If your partner or spouse is refusing this kind of transparency, you may need to go back to the very first question and reevaluate whether you can trust this person again. Number three, you must be able to regulate yourself. Check yourself. Are you getting upset or scared or angry? Use your breathing and practice replacing those negative thoughts with positive ones or at least with curiosity. Why is it that if my husband expresses his sadness, I feel myself getting angry? Why do I always want to walk away when things get difficult? Am I trustworthy? Always check yourself first for calmness and rationality. We can regulate through relationships. If you're calm, it will help others to be calm. Number four, learn to communicate with one another in a different way. Talk to your friend, partner, spouse, child, or loved one about their priorities and their opinions and the things that are important to them. Sometimes in relationship, we think we know the person as well, if not better than they know themselves. But the reality is we might not because maybe it's been a while since we really communicated. Maybe we lapsed into apathy, feeling there was nothing new to learn. All the while, our partner was changing, as well as perhaps ourselves. We haven't listened and invested time and energy. One of the most important parts of communicating is validating what someone has said without judgment or challenging them. As most of my clients know, curiosity is one of my favorite words. Curiosity is the antidote to judgment. You can have curiosity without judgment and you can validate without having to agree with someone. If your spouse or partner is telling you their perception of a situation, ask yourself why they saw it that way. Is it because of something in their childhood? Is it because they have an unmet need? Is it because they're missing some important piece of the information that's available? Or perhaps you are. Be curious about why this made you feel that. Ask questions. Don't interrogate, but ask thoughtful questions that help you in validating and empathizing with this person. There's something called confirmation bias, which means we typically see things in a way that confirm a belief we already have. We all sometimes remember things in a way that help us protect our ego. Recognize this about yourself. Be humble and realize that just because you remember something a certain way doesn't mean that's the way everyone else saw it or even that it happened. All you have to do is ask a detective who has interviewed five witnesses to a crime and got five different descriptions of the suspect to know this is absolutely true. The way you remember things is strongly influenced by confirmation bias, ego protection, your own history, and it's filtered through your experiences and your worldview. A friend of mine was diagnosed with cancer several years ago. She was told only 1% to 2% of people survive. She looked to the medical community as well as outside the medical community for a cure. I did what my belief system directed me to do. I brought her vegan food and prayed every day. 
Recently, we found out she is cancer-free, and the doctors are having difficulty explaining why that is. Another friend stated, well, she was one of the 1% to 2% to survive. She was lucky. It was a medical outcome. Because of my worldview, I believe nutrition and prayer contributed greatly. It was a miracle. Are either one of us wrong, or are we both right? We could argue all day long, but ultimately, for my cancer-free friend, it doesn't matter. Much of our communication is about delivery, tone, how we say our words, what we choose to say, being open, leaning in with good eye contact, smiling at times, inviting vulnerability and honesty without anger, blame, and judgment. And because this comes up so often, please stay off your phone when you're having an in-person conversation with any loved one. Put the phone on silent and put it in a different room. Make that person your priority. And here is where the miracle occurs in communication. It is the thing most people are looking for when they come in and ask the therapist to help them improve their communication. Generally, one party wants the other party to recognize their fault or their limitation or the thing they did wrong or the belief they hold that needs to be changed or that their action was hurtful. And very often, the partner or spouse is appearing to refuse to do so. Often, this dynamic is simply related to protection of ego and not feeling heard. When someone is being listened to, when they feel you have heard them, it builds dopamine in the brain, building those feel-good chemicals. It's at this point, after someone feels listened to and validated and empathized with, that they are then open to possible persuasion, to considering their part, because they feel safe. They feel they can risk admitting maybe, just maybe, they were a little wrong or might have done something differently. It's when they feel safe in admitting it because they know that you have their back. You're not looking to condemn them or blame them or hurt them. You're not looking to tear them down, but to be open and lift them up along with your relationship. Number five, have conversations about the big issues. Get to know one another all over again. Is honesty important? Is not gossiping and talking about other people in a negative way important to you and the relationship? Talk about what would help you feel safe in the relationship and that you could trust Establish agreements about how to rebuild it. Talk about what you need, what they need, and explore how you can help one another in meeting those needs. Discuss the things you will lean on in this journey to rebuild the trust and your relationship, such as religion or faith or spirituality, interactions with others, education, work, and fun. One of the homework assignments I give couples is to read together on a daily basis. And of course, I often hear, well, I'm not a reader, or we don't have time for that, or we don't like to read the same things. I ask couples to start with a book like The Four Agreements, and each read to the other, even if it's only for a short period of time. You can do this individually as well, particularly if you're working on a relationship with a parent or a friend. 
One of the reasons I love the four agreements and I find it to be life changing is if you can implement those four agreements, you'll find life is much easier in terms of your ability to regulate yourself. If you are always impeccable with your word, life becomes easier. Not easy, but easier. If you stop making assumptions about how people think and why people are behaving like they are, life becomes easier. When you don't take things personally, one of the most important skills for self-regulating, life becomes easier. When you do your best, life and decisions become easier. This is ancient wisdom that has been passed along through almost all of history and religion and literature in various different ways. Use them. Have faith in them and in yourself and in God, which is love. Make plans for the future, things you look forward to doing together. Constructing the future together is another way of building trust. Number six, be aware in all of this rebuilding of trust, typically someone or both parties usually need to accept responsibility and forgive. I could do an entire podcast on forgiveness. However, it's important to know that forgiveness does not require approval of what was done or forgetting what was done. Forgiveness means I have enough love to be able to accept what was done. Talk about it, let it go, and work together so it doesn't happen again. Somewhere in forgiveness, we must learn not to bring it up repeatedly, not to use it or weaponize it, and perhaps even see it as an opportunity to improve our relationship and ourselves as individuals, to learn from it. I caution people not to forgive too quickly because sometimes in the haste to want to get back to normal, we're too ready to forgive. Forgiveness cannot happen until we have looked at our relationship, reevaluated, and made changes so the hurt and pain of betrayal might not happen again. Number seven, give yourself and your relationship time to rebuild and give one another the benefit of the doubt. In New Orleans and on the Gulf Coast, they rebuilt and learned to trust again, but not without taking actions. It was building higher and more resistant levees, constructing flood walls and emergency pumps and canal closures and stronger homes. For you in rebuilding trust, it is starting over, getting to know your friend or partner or spouse again, instituting new communication skills and really listening, validating and being empathetic, being transparent and working on knowing what is important to one another as well as having fun together. Trust will come. And remember, not every strong wind is a Category 5 hurricane. You will learn to trust not only in your friend or partner, but in your relationship and in yourself as well. Keep your body and brain healthy this week and enjoy your life. And as always, if you have any Suggestions for topics or any feedback, contact me at my website, katherinekempvelez.com.